cue fake podcast music. Da -da 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 -da. Da -da. Hello and welcome to Michigan Another Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. All right, Jen, I just want to say I'm being open. Um, I picked mine for today because you did the last, I think our last episode that came out in um, June, you did the murder of Barry Crane. And as you were trying to explain it to me, I kept saying, Bob Crane? Barry Bob. Crane! And you're like, no, Barry Crane? And then you could tell at one point I'm confusing you because Bob Crane is also from Hollywood and was murdered. And so was Barry Crane. And when you kept saying Barry, I was getting confused with Bob. So today I do Bob Crane's murder. Okay. Sorry about the confusion. <laughs> All right. What you got? I have a news story about a husband who accidentally shoots his wife. Allegedly. As I say, can we sure air yet. quote accidentally? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so I'm reading up on that article uh, about him shooting his wife. And then I stumble upon this other guy. He's a felon, you know, does a lot of robberies. Um, he was charged, being sentenced for holding someone against their will. Okay. And saying at his sentencing because you know you can plead saying, your case he's saying his plea like as he was pleading his case he was like i'm so sorry i did it like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i'm like oh i have to do this right i actually watched the video a couple times like are you serious dude do you want to go first or second well i'd be happy to go first if you would like or you can whatever you would like how about I'll go first with this one. You know why you do that? Oh, that way I'll make my you correction. I'll make my correction. You make your correction. This one is Bob Crane, not Barry Crane. Not Barry. Apparently that's all I needed to confuse me. But Robert Bob Edward Crane was born July 13th, 1928 in Waterbury, Connecticut. Bob began playing drums while he was young. And by the time he was in junior high, he was forming musical parades in his neighborhood Bob then joined his high school marching band, a jazz band, and the Connecticut Norwalk Symphony Orchestra Youth Program. Wow. Yes. He graduated from high school in 1946. Bob joined the Connecticut National Guard in 1948 and served a two-year contract. He married his high school sweetheart, Ann Terzian, T-E-R-Z-I-A-N. How sweet. Yeah. Well, just wait. He fucks her over. So hold on. Hold on to that. In 1950, after being honorably discharged, Bob began a career in broadcasting as a radio host in New York. Due to his success on the East Coast in 1956, he was hired by a radio station in Los Angeles. He was um, brought in to raise the ratings, right? At this new studio, KNX, Bob interviewed megastars such as Marilyn Monroe, Frank Sinatra, Ooh. Jack Lemmon, Jane, Man Jane Mansfield, Ronald Reagan, and I put, when he was an actor, not a president, <laughs> Jerry Lewis, Dick Van Dyke, and Bob Hope. Bob Crane in the mid-1950s to the mid-1960s became known as the King of Los Angeles Airwaves. Wow. Yep, so success on the radio. During this time, Bob began then guest hosting for Johnny Carson on the game show, Who Do You Trust? Okay, so I looked it up because I'd never heard of Who yeah. Do You Trust? So I went to their wiki page and here's what I found. It was a show in which three married couples competed. They would be asked a question, and it was up to the husband to decide whether he or his wife would answer. The idea was, would he answer the question, or would he trust his wife to get it right? 
It was initially called Do You Trust Your Wife instead of Who Do You Trust Him? <laughs> and was originally hosted by Edgar um, Bergen. Do you know who he is? Uh-uh. So Edgar Bergen is Candace Bergen's dad, and Candace Bergen played Murphy Brown. Um, on oh, the, yeah. the lead character on Murphy Brown. So her dad was actually a radio ventriloquist and a TV host. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So he started filling in as the guest spot because it was Ed Bergen did it, then Johnny Carson, and then um, Bob Crane would guest and host. And I'm going to YouTube it. You, you should because it's interesting. Because the husband should always choose the wife. Right? <laughs> but this is a uh, Unless if you're married to me because I can't remember anything. Right. I have a horrible memory, so that is not a good option. Well, believe we it or not, lose. I, I, think, I thought I had Alzheimer's at 14, <laughs> but apparently I'm just really forgetful. But I'm, I love trivia. So every now and then just random facts will float through my brain. The other person that's really good at that is my cousin Brandy. She is a random trivia person as well. Really? When we play Trivia Pursuit, it's on. so bob also acted on uh as a singular guest appearance on the downer on shows like um alfred hitchcock's present general electric theater and the dick van dyke show in 1963 bob was giving a recurring role role on the television show donna reed he played dr david kelsey and he was incorporated um into the program for one year until 1964 so it was supposed to be like a one-day thing they really liked his character he stays on for a year okay in 1965, Bob was presented with a starring role on Hogan's Heroes. That's what I kept asking you about. I'm like, was he the guy from Hogan's Heroes? You're like, I don't know. He did a lot of shows. <laughs> so sorry. Hogan's Heroes was a situational comedy that took place in a prisoner of war camp in World War II. It centered around American prisoners working to escape from a German camp. Bob Crane played the role of Colonel Robert Hogan, the star of the show. I wrote the start of the show. Sorry. Fix my little thing there. Okay. And the show's theme song relies heavily on a military drumbeat, and it was played by Bob. So he's the one that actually plays the intro. In the show notes, I do have a link to the video if you want to hear the Hogan's Heroes beginning um, of the TV show. Okay. Hogan's, I actually watched Hogan Heroes as a kid. It was reruns, yeah. So Hogan's Heroes premiered as a number one show running from 1965 until 1971. During that time, Bob Crane was nominated twice for Emmy Awards in 1966 and 1967. In 1968, Barb, Bob started a romantic relationship with his co-star. Now, her real name Asshole. was... Yep. Patricia Olsen was a real name, but her stage name was Sigrid Valdis. In 1970, after 20 years of marriage and three children together, Bob divorced his first wife, Anne. The following year, he married Patricia Olsen on the set of Hogan's Heroes, and Richard Dawson stood in as his best man. Now, do you know who Richard Dawson is? Mm-hmm. So he was a co-star on Hogan's Hero, but you might remember him from the Match Game, or he was like the first host of Family Feud. He was known for always kissing everybody. He was also on the movie Running Man with um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He plays a game show host then, too. Yeah, no, lost. I know, I'm older than you. I have to Google it. It's because I'm old. (laughs) Richard Dawson also introduced Bob to John Henry Carpenter. John was a sales manager of electronics and set Bob up with video equipment. You're like, why does Bob need video equipment? Mm Mm-hmm. Bob used this equipment to tape his sexual escapades. It would later be determined that Bob and possibly Richard Dawson were sex addicts. Often Bob and John would tape themselves having sex with women that they brought back to Bob's house. It went so far between um, John and Bob having sex with these women that John took a job as a, a national sales manager and he would use his business trips to meet with Bob so that they could seduce women. So they'd have the sex with women, with each other, not sex with each other, but sex with the same woman. What? Yeah? What makes you a sex addict? 
Okay, so apparently like, when it starts to interfere with your regular life, you are an addict. So if I, if I don't go to work, yeah. or I take long lunches. Yep, or have cats. sex with inappropriate people like your boss or other things that would cause problems, then you're an addict. But you're not an addict if you like suck with your boss. Yeah. Well, to further yourself? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are different accounts as to whether the women in the videos consented to being recorded. Some people said, oh, yeah, they knew they were being recorded. And other people were like, I don't think they knew that these men were recording them as they are having sex. After Hogan's Heroes ended, Bob appeared in two Disney movies, and he bought the rights to a comedy play called Beginner's Luck that he performed in different theaters. In between his theater engagements, Bob also did guest appearances on different TV shows like Quincy M.D. and The Love Boat. And I was like, I used to love The Love Boat. Mm -hmm. In 1975, Bob hosted The Bob Crane Show. It was about a man who quit his insurance salesman job to go back to medical school. It lasted 13 episodes before being canceled. In 1977, Bob separated with his second wife, Patricia. They had a son together in 1971 who was also named Robert but went by his middle name, Scott. I'm hoping I'm not confusing you because his first wife also gave him a son and named him Robert. So he has two sons named Robert. Got and it. the second Robert goes by the name Scott, which is his middle name. Okay. Okay. Because I'm going to mention both Roberts at one point. And you, do you think his wife knew that he did this? Oh, yeah. The first wife knew about the second wife. And the second wife knew about the first wife as well. No, but I mean, did the second wife know about his sex, being a sex addict? Uh, I'm sure she probably figured it out. I mean, they did split. They didn't divorce, but they separated. Okay. And uh, so according to Scott and Patricia, Bob had reconciled with his second. So according to his second wife and their child, that those two reconciled shortly before Bob died. And Bob was seeing a, a therapist regarding his sex addiction. So he must have been aware of it. In June 29th, 1978, Bob failed to show to a lunch meeting with his co-star, Victoria Berry. So she went to his house to check up on him and found his body. Bob was still laying in his bed, having been bludgeoned to death. The weapon was never identified, but it was believed to be a camera tripod. Bob also had an electrical cord wrapped around and tied at his neck. The cord had come from one of Bob's video cameras. His planner was open on the bedside table and Bob's blood had been splattered across it. So they think that he was probably sleeping when somebody came in and beat him to death. His wife. That's one of the people that someone accuses. One of his first kids accuses the second wife. So there's a lot of speculation on who murdered Bob Crane. There aren't any signs of forced entry into his home, and it looked as if there was no struggle. So they were already in the home, or they knew how to get in the home, and he was sleeping, so there's no struggle. It seemed to be a crime of passion, as the weapons used were found in Bob's home. So this person didn't premeditate it. They used what's available. Um, so was it one of the women that he recorded, and now she wants revenge? Was it the husband or boyfriend of one of the women he had sex with? Was it his friend John Carpenter? It was rumored that although the two men, Bob and John, often had sex with the same women, John wanted a sexual relationship with Bob. John had arrived in Arizona four days earlier on June 25th to spend time with Bob. The police had John's rental car impounded. Inside they found several blood smears that matched Bob's blood type, which is one of the rarer types. And I wrote, remember, no DNA in 1978, mm -hmm. right? No further evidence, without further evidence, prosecution couldn't file charges. In 1990, a Scottsdale detective, Jim Raines, pers uh, persuaded the county attorney to reopen the case after examining the evidence again. There were photos of the crime scene, and in one picture of the rental car that John had, there seems to be a bit of brain tissue. So there's a picture, you can see like a, a chunk of something. However, the actual piece of tissue was lost in police custody. 
A lot of shit got lost of from course. this case. Yeah. The case was open again, and John Carpenter was charged. So according to Maricopa County Police, they believe John was guilty as they eliminated everybody else. Like, we, got to, we figured it was John because we went through everybody else and eliminated them. And he had blood in his car. He had some blood in his car. So the trial began in 1994 with Bob's son, Robert Scott, so the second son. Second son. Yep, testifying that his dad said he no longer wanted to be John's friend and that the night before Bob died, he ended the friendship between the two of them. However, John's attorney was able to produce two witnesses that said the night before Bob was killed, John and Bob had been seen dining out that evening and were cordial the entire night. So there are people... So his son says that he didn't want to be his friend anymore, but two people are like, we saw him that night, everything seemed fine. He also pointed out that most of the evidence had either been mishandled or misplaced while in police custody. True story. John Carpenter was acquitted and maintained his innocence until he died in 1998. Bob's oldest son, Robert, okay, from the first wife, not Robert Smith, Scott, intimated that Robert Scott's mom, Patricia, was the murderer. So his first son, Robert, says it's the second wife. Okay. He spoke openly about the fact that Patricia was the only person to profit from Bob's death as she received his entire estate. Okay, so we're mad we didn't get no money. I'm thinking that's what it is. He um, wrote a book about his doubts, so he actually even took it to the next level. I'm going to blame you in this book. Um, It's called Crane, colon, Sex, Celebrity, and My Father's Unsolved Murder. In November of 2016... Catchy title. Yeah, hey, it worked. (laughs) The blood samples from the car were tested again with a new DNA technique. Two sequences were identified in the blood. One sequence was an unknown person, and the other one was too degraded to provide information. So Bob's crane murder is still unsolved. Hmm. And that was the one where I, you kept saying, Barry Crane, I'm like, Bob? Barry! Yeah. You're like, no, Barry. I'm like, Bob? <laughs> so sorry. I think you sat there the whole time, that podcast, looking at me like, So confused. Ah, we're going to have to do a big correction. Well, Barry Crane was also a part of Hollywood and also had this like long murder mm-hmm. that was, yeah, violent. It was so See, confusing to me. have that name. It was so confusing. Barry, Bob, Barry Crane, Bob Crane, very similar. Everything was Crane. Sorry. And it was like the same era. I was all confused. <laughs> but please tell me your stories. And then I have a review of this restaurant in Majesty that you could tell some people are pissed. <laughs> so in the news, we have the husband shoots and kills his wife after mistaking her for an intruder. Uh-huh. This happened in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Oh, of course. Yep. When you hear these things, you know, you stop. Oh, so yeah. researcher of murder and you skeptical. You, you see murder. skeptical. Yeah, murder in the hometown. Yeah. On July 11th, the husband, Brian, age 30, woke up and thought he saw an intruder. He shot his gun and unknowingly shot his wife, Ashley, age 31. It was said. Wait, so did he like shoot her and kill her immediately? or? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what, where did he shoot her, did it say? No, it didn't say. Okay. But the four their four year old called nine one one and said that, you know, my mom's not breathing and then he the father gets on the phone. <gasps> so she's somewhere visible. Maybe Dang. Well he's in he's, he's in his bed. His right? bed, so maybe walked got got her in the hallway. Yeah, and the, but why did he not react and the four year old had to be the one to call for help? I don't know. Jeez. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. It was um, said later on that supposedly the family suspected 
um, an attempt of a home invasion earlier that day. Oh, is that what he's saying? That's what his family's saying? Someone's saying that. Didn't say who in the article. Okay, if they say, I, I always think that sometimes when people are evil, their family does back them up. Yeah. If it was his family, I say shit on that idea. <laughs> the, hu- the, the husband. Yes. Brian was taken into custody and later released. I think it was like a couple days. Um, and at this point, it's still under investigation and he hasn't been charged with anything. Oh, man. So. I wonder. I mean, how can you prove that it was on purpose? Although one time I did see this case, no shit. And I'm like, wow, that dude's an idiot. So his, he calls his wife out to the garage. She steps out there and he shoots her with an arrow in the chest. And she survives. And he's like, it was an accident, blah, blah, blah. It just went off. A few months later, it happens again. He calls her into the garage, shoots her again. This time he kills her. And the cops are like, that's not a second fucking accident. And he has to go to jail. As I was investigating that, yeah, I came across this random article about Brian Earl Taylor, age 21, from Belleville, Michigan. All right. He was being sentenced in March of 2016 in Washtenaw County, Michigan, for unlawful imprisonment and carrying a concealed weapon. Prior to sentencing, he was allowed to speak to plead his case for a shorter sentence. He wanted to get 36 months instead of the 10-plus years he was facing. So he's saying... An Adele-inspired song, like so from her "Hello." Yes, and it was "I'm Sorry." No way. Yep. I'm sorry into the tune of "Hello." Yep. That he made up. Yep. Did it make him lenient on him? Cause I'll sing like I'll, <laughs> I'll sing if I'm about to go to jail, and I'm like, if I sing, will I get a lost time? The song sorry. didn't. The song. Didn't, <laughs> <laughs> no. The song didn't help his length of sentence. Oh, well, then I nor did did the fact. <laughs> That he had multiple felony warrants at the time, and he was currently on parole. Oh, wow. He actually received 17 years. Dang. I, you know what? I bet he's the kid that he'd, like, you know, he'd fuck up, and his mom would be like, did you fuck up? And he'd be like, sorry. And she's like, you're so cute. I'll let you out of it. And he's like, let me see if it works on the judge. Yeah. And, he didn't, <laughs> and it wasn't just, I'm sorry to yeah. the victim. Yeah. It was each of his, like, he did it for each of the... Counts. For each guy. Yeah, like each, the the victim, each the victim. family. Oh. Yeah. That's cute. That's, oh, my goodness. Like our, our, so I, I have the link. That's awesome. But I was like, oh, my We'll put goodness. it in the show notes. It'll be there. It'll be there. So I have some Google reviews of River Street Station in Manistee. Mm-hmm. I have uh, three reviews, and it's I think they're funny. One is Chad Lafave. He does a one star. He has one sentence. <laughs> One cook, when not when not cooking, he's on the back deck smoking pot. <laughs> right on. Bill Cheek, one star. I reduced this one for time. Quite possibly the worst bar on planet Earth. The spectacular location in Riverside Deck entice you into what could only be called the seventh circle of hell. The exceptionally incompetent, clueless, and rude wait staff are only surpre- <laughs> surpassed by the oblivious owner who actually told us they were out of plates to explain the delay in getting <laughs> the, soup, the simplest food order. Avoid like the plague. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got four reviews. Maybe. Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you at least four people mentioned the time they were out of plates. So I don't know if one time they were out of plates. Maybe they're it, minimalists. And it, okay. and it pissed four people off or if they were routinely out of plates. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, I was like, shit, send someone to the store. <laughs> so Frank Lilly, also one star. It says, lousy service. Had a better time at a funeral. 
Gonna send Mike. Yeah, it's gonna send Mike a sympathy card. And from what I can tell, Mike is the owner. Oh. From the other complaints. This last one is a review from Bob the Judger. Is his name? Also reduced for time. <laughs> Had a very snippy waiter who appeared to be mocking customers. Took 30 minutes between drinks. When asked for a napkin, was told to shut up and that I was quote no prince end quote. <laughs> Cannot believe the service. Owner was in the bar drinking. When approached him with the issue, was asked to leave and told I was, quote, no big loss, quote, again, end quote. I cannot believe the attitude. Ordered cod, was given a burger, could not convince the waitstaff otherwise. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I ordered cod and they gave him a burger. He's like, I didn't order this. I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> so you've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, correct us when necessary, rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, and YouTube. Bye-bye now.